0: Welcome to the Paths to Understanding podcast with wisdom from our neighborhood uh, today with Alana Suskin and Steve Martin. And we're so happy to have them both with us today. We want to welcome all of you for watching uh, Path to Understanding bridges bias and builds unity through multi-faith peacemaking. And we're glad you're joining us. Uh, before we begin, I want to acknowledge that I'm standing on the traditional land of Coast Salish peoples. And I honor with gratitude the land itself, The coast salish peoples themselves and we commit to working with them for a better and more just world Um, alana and steve where are you all at
1: um so we're actually just a few miles away from each other so we would like to give honor to the indigenous peoples of the land here the Piscataway peoples
0: thank you so much and and so that of course was alana suskin who's an educator activist and writer she's an orthodox rabbi She is co-chair of the Maryland Poor People's Campaign and an editor of the progressive blog Jewschool.com. Together with Hamza Khan, she's founded the Pomegranate Institute to counteract Islamophobia and anti-Semitism and rebuild trust of American citizens for the beautiful and diverse nation that we are. And we're also so happy to welcome today for the first time, the Reverend Stephen D. Martin, who has served the United Methodist Churches as pastor for 20 years and is a graduate of the Chandler School of Theology. He's the founder of the Lakelands Institute, an organization providing e-learning, coaching and consulting resources for pastors and church professionals. Stephen has served as the director of communications and development for the National Council of Churches in Washington, D.C. In 2007, the Reverend Martin was honored at the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum for his work with theologians under Hitler. Stephen worked with the Obama administration on an important policy and social media campaign entitled know your neighbor aimed at reducing religious based bigotry in the United States of America who would have thought that that would be a problem Um, but it certainly is and that's part of the reason why we're here tonight we're gonna be starting a little series uh, everyone um, on like what salvation means to people in different traditions and, uh, and so tonight we're gonna take on some some pretty heavy questions. And uh, we, we hope to engage with you in, the, in the, the understandings that you might have of salvation in your own tradition. And so we're gonna put some questions kind of together here. And, and, and I think we'll start off with Rabbi Alana, if that's okay with you. Um, so Rabbi Alana, what does the word salvation mean in your tradition? Is there kind of a range of meanings? Um, what's the function of the word salvation? Um, how important is it to people in your tradition? And then what's the primary, and then, you know, who does salvation apply to? Is it just individuals or is it neighborhoods and human beings in general or the created world? You can take any of those questions and do what you want.
1: Sure. So, um, so for Jews, salvation, actually the words that we use are, um, there's a variety of them. And they mean sort of a spectrum of meaning. So, Hatzel or Hatzalah, or Matziel, Hoshea, and Moshiach, Goel, gulah These are all Hebrew words that are sometimes translated as salvation. Um, and they do, they have a, they, salvation doesn't really mean exactly the same thing um, in Judaism as it does in Christianity. Um, so, these words are frequently more, well, actually, there's a lot of dispute about what exactly they mean. <laughs> so, like, Goel Gula, Redeemer, Redemption, Hoshea Moshe, like, is is saving, right? And they t- they're they're often associated with like physical saving of people. So, you know, like literal like saving of a person's life or physically saving people from en- from enemies, which you can see in like a lot of the Psalms and, and in our daily prayers. There, there is a sort of a more sort of um, spiritual sense to it, but what where exactly that falls is a little bit more complicated when you're talking to Jews. Um, so for example, one of the things um, where salvation really is uh, plays a big role in, in the sense um, of the Hebrew words is the establishment of self-rule for Jews under God's authority like in the body, in a place, not in the after-war life or some other world, but actually in the land of Israel. And um, that's actually sort of what makes the next question a little harder to answer, because when we talk about, for example, things like universal just rule and making the world fit for God's presence— it's not necessarily under the rubric of salvation. It's just what God commands of us, right? So that's actually sort of a different set of terminologies for us. Um, And, you know, like halakha, Jewish law and the way, right? Which is what halakha actually literally translates as is actually a different, like that's that's where our sort of requirement or obligation to do justly in the world comes from the halakha from the way from the jewish law whereas salvation is really more about a national um physical self-determination under god i, I know that's a little bit weird there is a, there are other kinds of salvation that get mentioned from time to time in our liter- literature and liturgy um for example there's um There is um, a story in the Talmud that asks about, like, what the six questions God asks you when you, you know, when you come for judgment after you die, starting with, you know, were you just in your business practices? Um, Did you... so questions like that. And one of the questions, did you set aside time for learning, things like that. But one of the questions is, did you hope for salvation? But what that exactly means in that context is not super, super clear. So that makes it a little bit kind of answering the question for Jews is very, um, like we're not going to agree on what that answer means in that sense. So when we talk about salvation, it tends to apply to national aspirations rather than talking about individuals or, um, you know, the world as it is, because those things become, um, those come under the rubric of, you know, the things that we are obligated to do in the world, but they're not salvation. I don't know if that made a lot of sense. Maybe I should toss that off and respond to later comments.
0: I think that, that makes, that makes perfect sense. And that, that, that is a great example of how, you know different traditions just have have completely different approaches to some of the same kind of human things right so i really really appreciate that and i think we can dig more into that later um, so steve i would be really fascinated to hear you respond to some of the same questions you know what does salvation mean in your tradition or to you is there a range of meaning what is the function of the word salvation in that tradition how how important is it to people and who does salvation apply to? I'd, I'd love to hear your reflections on that.
2: It's uh, it's a big question. It's complicated um, because uh, I cannot really adequately speak for any any part of the Christian community besides kind of where I stand. Um, I can describe to you various. Uh, ways that I think that other people and other you know parts of the Christian uh, tradition uh, believe. but you know um, it's all it's all pretty complicated. I come from a, a mainline Protestant background. Um, the United Methodist Church, which has a Wesleyan uh, heritage, we take our, our heritage back to, uh, to England in the uh, 18th century. Um, and it was a revivalist movement that took place there. It was a, it was a, it's where a lot of the threads of American Christianity really got developed. And one of those threads, of course, is the, the understanding that you can be, you, you can know that you are saved in this, you know, in this time, in this lifetime, um, and that, you know, that that's a, a has become a kind of a buzzword in America. I think in a lot of places. So um, in. In a lot of people's uh, uh, understandings, it simply means that you know that uh, you've had an experience in your life where you know that God is uh, is kind and good to you, and uh, will will let you, no matter what horrible things you've done in your life, you will still, when you die, you'll go to heaven. Um, and um, I think because of, and I'm. My my heritage is, is I, I come from East Tennessee. I don't know if you can tell right now, but uh I can, you know, I can really go back into that uh, accent pretty well. But uh in 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 Appalachian culture, that's significant because life was very, very hard in Appalachia. Lots of disease, of course, the coal mining culture that comes about, and a in a sense that you know that your life really doesn't matter. It doesn't, it can't be improved in this lifetime, certain kind of Calvinism. Um and, and that means that you just simply sing, you go to church and you sing songs about the afterlife, and, and uh, once I die, I will you know, walk through the pearly gates, and, and so on. And these kinds of expressions come to bed. So because very, very, the, the concept of salvation becomes very, very otherworldly. Um, and even in my tradition of the United Methodist Church, it's still, I think for a lot of people, It is otherworldly, but there's a very, very strong social justice component to uh, Wesleyan theology, Methodist theology, where it's understood that really the emphasis must be on seeking the goodness of another person. And for me, it's almost entirely turned around to uh, just a very simple concept. Jesus is asked repeatedly in various situations, what's the one thing I must do? You know, what's the, what's the one thing I need to do in my life to inherit eternal life, whatever that means, um, whether that's the afterlife, whether that's in the present, you know, and he gives a very, very clear answer to it. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And for me, salvation is the assurance that when I do those things, when I show love to another person, and again, following the example of Jesus, that love got him killed. That I can, um, I can suffer that ultimate. I can suffer all kinds of little defeats, and I can suffer the ultimate defeat, but it's all going to be okay because I have lived my life as an act of kindness. So that's kind of where it is for me.
0: Thank you so much, both of you. And I, I, I know, you know, when I when I grew up a little kid in Eastern Washington State. Uh, I grew up in a town of 300 people and uh, our church was out um, in in wheat fields uh, amongst all the wheat fields out there and uh, I remember sitting there and hearing a very similar story, Steve to what you talked about you know that uh, that uh, it was a blessing to recognize that God loves us um, and that uh, you know if and, and that uh, part of that means, knowing that we're loved through the midst of life and part of that means that that we we trust that when we die you know god god's gonna accept us you know um i think um um the the, the part of the challenge of course is that the word the word salvation um means in the new christian scripture is something a lot bigger than that and uh and so i know uh one of our Theologians in the Lutheran Church, uh, Barbara Rossing, talks about salvation, and she says that, you know, the the most simple way to to talk about it is that salvation is healing, um, and that uh, and that that healing, if we think about the world, you know, through the lens of 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 how we respond, like for instance, to racism. Well, that love applies to me intrapersonally. It applies to my life interpersonally. It applies to how change is brought to institutions, and that that salvation applies, that healing it applies to how we engage with um, larger systems like the government or the common sense of a country or the national narratives that we tell. And and so throughout my life, I've begun to see that that this word salvation just doesn't apply to me, um, and 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 it it really is about god's way to bring healing to the whole earth and uh, until the day when uh when all when all is healed and that part of my salvation is is being invited uh to participate in that in some small way and and lastly as as a lutheran uh, of course you know I, i i couldn't be lutheran and probably not say that 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 part of how that 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 we recognize that salvation in our life is that it is a total and complete gift god's the one that initiates a relationship with us and and so god's the one that 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 decides to not only create the universe but to affirm our existence and thus uh and thus in the power of that affirmation you know we kind of have some freedom and power to love our neighbor when the rest of society says we shouldn't and uh and so that's 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 part of what this word salvation is beginning to mean mean to me over time. And and so, um, you know, another kind of way to look at this notion of salvation is like, what's the primary problem or analysis of the human condition that's being addressed? In other words, what are we being saved into or from? And let's maybe just stick with that question for a minute. And Steve, would you be willing to sort of go next and, and take that one on?
2: You know, this is where I really go off the rails into unorthodoxy. So um, I am—I uh, have become really aware just in the last few years. I, you know, I've said the Apostles' Creed all my life. Um, I learned it, you know, as a kid, I was, I had to recite it, uh, uh, you know, by memory as a contraband in sixth grade. And that's been, you know, kind of central And every church that I've ever pastored, they get really, really upset. If you, if you change the creed, you know, from the apostles creed, well, just in the last few years, I realized that it was actually pointed out to me that the, uh, that the creed it skips over the, his, the life of the historical Jesus, it, it, it skips over it completely born of Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified and buried. And I look at that and I think, well, that's really interesting. Um, it tells me that just in, in very short words here, Roman theology, Roman uh, that, you know, when, when Christianity became the official religion of Rome, had a real problem. The state, the empire, had an incredible problem with this prophet who, who was very, very outspoken in his actions and his words against the empire and the occupation that was taking place, right. and how can an empire like Rome hold up a figure like Jesus um, and, 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 and make that the official religion of the, of the known world? You can't, so how do you deal with that? And still, kind of, you know, give Christianity its its uh, its its place. Uh, it's you skip over the historical Jesus and you turn him into this this um, uh, this sacrificial lamb, this this savior figure uh, who saves us from our sins. Well, what are our sins? I think, you know, in in the worst case, they turn into uh, playing cards and and drinking and gambling, you know, it's 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 the little petty things, <clears throat> and and the sins don't address. Uh, there are concept of sins often don't um, address the huge problems of racism and oppression, and and uh, all of the phobias, and yet. It is precisely Jesus, the historical Jesus, the way he lived his life was to was to show a different way uh, that did engage with the other uh, and the, the the downtrodden and the outcast and so on. And um, that's a really blathering answer to your question, I think. But it it says something to me about how um, I think in a lot of ways Christianity is is. Is too Jesus is, Christianity is too scandalous for even for itself sometimes and and much of theology has been uh, uh has been uh articulated in a way that leaves out this person that I find so incredibly fascinating uh this person of Jesus
0: yeah so I I so resonate with with that Steve and this the sort of uh transformation that's happened in my life by actually studying scripture um, and because uh, I, I realized around 1998 that as a younger pastor that there were lots of questions that folk would skip over in text studies on their way to creating sermons on Sunday morning I mean even take the first the first uh, sort of the stump speech that Jesus gives it's not hey everybody Um, I've got a way for you to be forgiven so you can go to heaven when you die and so therefore you can just leave the systems of oppression in place you don't have to worry about them because eternity is a lot longer than your life so just shut up and be a good slave or you know be, be quiet and 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 get along in the system until you die that's not what he said he said the the kingdom of God has come near repent and believe in the good news well the kingdom why would he talk about a kingdom unless he's talking about something replacing the roman empire and its way of orienting human beings to competition and to power over each other instead of cooperation and mutual love and and all that and all of those those beautiful visions of the of the hebrew scripture um why would he talk about that unless he wanted to bring the core value of the of 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 the abrahamic tradition into play which is to to want to be a blessing to all the nations tribes and families of the world like and so and so you know jesus is um the the, the primary problem is that you know it's kind of the problem of culture that we human beings can get along inside of a system of oppression and, and and bless it and and call it good when it does nothing but harm everyone and the and the whole creation and so jesus you know is is attempting to deal with you know some really you know, really all the parts of the human condition, but in part, he's trying to help people realize that, that they don't have to live the way they're being forced to live.
2: Right.
0: And, and that there is an option and to repent, which means to engage in some deep change and to make restitution to each other. But it also means to have, to, to believe it means to have hope. and, and, and I think that for me, the message of Jesus is, of his life and his death and resurrection from a christian perspective is that you can give you can you can trust that 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 you're participating in a journey toward healing for yourself and toward the world and even if death happens to you it doesn't have the last word and so that means you can keep on moving yep and and to me that it's that it's that, that, that that that's that that sense of dealing with with the fear of death instead of, of us getting focused on life after death is what I think Jesus was trying to do with that. So that was also rambling. Alana, how about you? What What is the primary problem or the analysis of the human condition that's being addressed?
1: So it's so interesting that um, actually both of your comments, which I did not find rambling at all, um, really kind of echoes the, um, the uh, sort of um, basic, idea of salvation or redemption that we actually have in Judaism, which is right. So the sort of the the um, paradigmatic example is of course the redemption from Egypt, right? Which is a very, it's the this world redemption. It is the first redemption, which our tradition actually says will be echoed by the final redemption, right? When we have the world to come and God's just rule on in this world. Um, but it, it's so interesting the way the two of you actually you know the a lot of what you were saying sort of echoed that piece which is you know Egypt is that example of God saying you reach out to me and then I will reach out to you right What happens there is the people cry out under oppression, under slavery. And, you know, under however you want to call it, you know, er, the earliest, you know, racism, um, where, you know, a people has been made a slave and they cry out because they can't take it anymore. And then God reaches out to them and redeems the nation, right? So that's sort of our, you know, view of it, which is, you know, you have this. We reach out and then God reaches back and it's done in in this world for, for purposes of righteousness, right, that we are taken out not just to be redeemed from slavery, but to be redeemed for something, which is for the establishment of this system of law, which is given to us at Sinai, right, to establish a just world here. You know, using these guidelines that God has given us and these obligations that God has given us, and I like—I definitely heard echoes of that in both of the um, in both of the narratives that you spoke about right, echoing this earlier narrative, which I'm sure is totally intentional in your traditions as well, right, like that we all, we all hear those echoes coming back over and over again in these cycles, because as humans, we keep getting trapped in these cycles of oppression, um, sometimes as the oppressor, and sometimes as the oppressed, you know, like the Jewish community definitely um, focuses on sort of physical redemption, partly because we have a really, really long history of being the oppressed E, but we're certainly not exempt from being the oppressed or either. And so that cycle continues. And we each time it happens, whatever side of it you're on, we have to be aware of those cycles and to, to remind ourselves that the redemption from Egypt, you know, the redemption is for us to establish a just world here. And we have these guidelines and we need to follow them. And every time the cycle repeats, that's a reminder again to say, hey, you've kind of strayed from this path. And you know we have a, we have a plan here and a goal and you're not helping. So I definitely heard those echoes in both of what you were saying.
2: you're muted. So Alana, so what's the, what is the
0: vision of the world? If, if salvation or if, if wholeness, you know, were to be fully realized, like what, what can you, can you help us have a a window into a a Jewish vision of that?
1: So, I mean, we're not, you know, Judaism is very this worldly focused, which is not to say that we don't have, you know, ideas of, about, you know, we have judgment and, you know, that's actually a very basic principle that, you know, when you, you have to, you can't deny that there is a judge and there's judgment, that's a major thing, but we are, we are very much focused on like this world is the place where it's established. And we do have, um, you know, a lot of these principles in terms of sort of the vision is national because we're a particularistic religion, but that just what that means ultimately is that it's our responsibility to do certain kinds of things, right? So like we we don't say you know we have to go out and make everybody do things our way. It's just that we have an obligation to do it, um, and we even you know we have canonical texts that um, you know very much emphasize things like the righteous of all nations have a share in the world to come, um, or even a learned. Um, Pagan or, you know, whatever is to be preferred to an ignorant priest, an ignorant Cohen. So, you know, there's, there's definitely um, a sense that even though our vision of sort of redemption, which is very physical, this worldly and pragmatic is a national one there's also built into that national particularistic vision that there's an ultimate goal and that ultimate goal is for justice for everybody and that we have to be part of doing that so i think that if i were if i were to say you know what is what is the ultimate goal for this um salvation salvatory? is that a word did i just make that up vision is to ultimately have a world which is a fit place for God to dwell with us, right So that we we go from having sort of a, a transcendental God to a um, to a God that with the Shekhinah, the one who dwells with us. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you, Alana and, and Steve, I'd be interested in your response to that. You know what's um, what's the vision of how the world would be if salvation or were to be fully realized?
2: Well, again, you know, it's it's uh, in the roots of American Christianity. It's pretty much, well, to hell with the world. It's not important. It's disposable. And uh, let's just burn it down. Let it burn down. And the quicker, the better, because that'll hasten, you know, it's this idea that Jesus will return somehow if we screw it all up. And uh, uh, it's an absolutely reprehensible idea, and, and it is harmful in every every way. I think a more creative, uh, idea is, uh, is in the Lord's prayer. Um, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as as, as it is in heaven, that the redemption, the final, the, the final vision of, of life is where God's will is done. God's desire, uh, takes place in this world as it does in God's realm already. And, and, again, you know, I, I wrestle with these things constantly. What does it all mean? What does it mean to my life? What is this, you know, what is this, how does this imply, what, what are the implications? And, and I think really what it, what it means is I can't really figure this all out. This is all mysterious stuff. This is all bigger than, you know, than, than my brain. So what can I do? What, what's, what's simple enough for this little feeble brain to handle just do good. Do good. Do not try. Do not harm people. Love people and grow in love. Grow, grow, grow in love, so that I am a more loving person, and I show love to the people around me. And and to me, that love means uh, it ultimately means sacrifice. If 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 I am uh, called to 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 do that. And and again, I'm talking. I can hear myself talking in very very individualistic terms again it's part of my heritage I don't know if I'll ever be able to get away from that but I do think that um, when we when we do our acts of love when we are loving and we participate in taking down um, uh, broken institutions that are doing harm to people when we do these loving things that are that are difficult and sacrificial then we are we are living into that dream that into that prayer that God's will will be done on earth as it is done in God's realm.
0: Thank you Steve and I I, I again I share so much with you uh here and I think and I'm hearing a lot of the same sort of journey that you're taking, you know, that I am I'm also taking as well. I I think about Bishop NT Wright, um uh, Anglican, you know, who uh I've learned a lot from um and and you know his sort of vision is is that, you know, yeah, yeah, there is a heaven, but it's gonna it's it's here. He's trying to trying to bridge us from sort of this individual, you know, salvation is you going to heaven when you die, to recognizing that, that 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 I think a more authentic first century vision, um, you know, what would have been that God is intent on bringing healing and new creation to the entire creation, to all the families and nations and tribes of the world. It's a very, again, sort of Abrahamic notion, that, that God wishes to be a blessing, not only to speak well of people, but also to kind of create uh, a womb like thriving place for all the nations and tribes of the world and the and in the book of Revelation, which is really misunderstood. There is a beautiful vision of all the nations coming together and they're on they're on two sides of a stream and there's a, a tree there that's on both sides of the river for the healing of the nations. And, and so I think that's the, you know, to me, that's the, that's the vision. And that part of the meaning of my life, as I said earlier, is just kind of doing the small part that I can do, including recognizing that that healing is gonna, is, is for me, that healing is for me and my relationships, that healing is for the institutions that I'm part of, that healing is also for the created world, um, which right now is under such, under such threat and and that that to me is is this uh, you know that this notion of a great banquet is another beautiful image um and that that even on sunday mornings or whatever day people worship and the lord's supper happens well that's a foretaste of a feast to come with everybody around that around that big table and uh and 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 not just you know the food i i ate as a kid but food from all over the world is going to be there and 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 the best kind, um, so I think there is a uh, Alana. I think there is in Christianity right now a desire to sort of recapture the the breadth and the depth of of what salvation might have meant in 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 Jesus' Jewish uh, first century context under Roman occupation, and 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 there's a lot of of work, you know, a lot of people trying to do that without. hopefully appropriating uh uh jewish jewish thought (laughs) in a way that's disrespectful but trying to be more faithful to the jewish jesus that we that we that we care so much about
1: yeah i i think it's you know it's we talk about these traditions as if they're like completely separate in some ways and you know appropriation obviously appropriation can be really bad but there's a certain sense in which like it's also a shared heritage right that the things that are in our tradition are in your tradition and vice versa, because, you know, we're all branches off the same tree. And, um, you know, so I, you know, when you talk about like trying to recapture the, you know, the ideas of the sort of the, um, the this worldly focus that of the making the you know the just rule in this world you know I, I think there's definitely also a move in judaism to sort of remember sort of our history as well in terms of that we actually had a, a very strong focus on a loving God and a personal God as well. And you know just as we can all see in the scriptures and the Psalms, there's there definitely was you know an early focus on God in relationship with individuals. Um, You know, and saving an individual person like, you know, the David Psalms in particular are very much focused on, you know, like my enemies are surrounding me and God, please save me and not necessarily, um, you know, quite as broad a vision. And, you know, while that's certainly... um, you know, when we're talking about, you know, wanting to have a more universal vision, there's also a piece of that in which that sort of um, what we call chesed, which is sort of like loving kindness, um, is also a really beautiful concept. And having God who is a, a God of loving kindness towards individuals and not simply towards sort of general groups of people also is really, really beautiful. And I, I you know, um, Rabbi Shai Held is, is a person who, um, is really doing a lot of work around around recovering those ideas, and I think that that's really beautiful. And I do think that there is there is a lot for us to learn from each other in uncovering our own joined roots. And I would say that I think that salvation in both sets of terms is one of those places.
2: Yeah, Look, can I tell so a much. story? Um, Please, I, yeah. I, I, let me. I. I I, I've had I've had all of the kind of you know traditional Protestant uh, Bible Belt experiences of being you know being saved and and having a you know a, a time and a place where I can uh, describe my conversion experience, but I. I want to describe one that I think is more significant, um, if if one can be, uh, and lives and in lives into this vision that we're talking about. 1995, my phone rang. I was a pastor in a small church in in uh, in East Tennessee. It was a um, uh, a service that uh, I got a phone call from this agency that uh, that helps resettle refugees, um, and they said, "Can can we?" Send a brochure to your church to you. And I was in a good mood that day. It was like a telemarketing call, basically. I was in a good mood, and I said, "Sure, send it." And I got a packet of stuff uh, about a week, you know, or a few days later. And um, uh, and then I got a, a call a week later from the same people that said, "We've got a family of Bosnians that need a a a, a, a new home, and they're coming in on the plane in about a week. Will wow. you take them?" And I said, let me see what I can do. And I put together a team and, uh, of some really gracious people, one of the most savvy political alignments that I've ever uh, put together. Um, but um, the long and short of it is, is that family uh, is doing very well. They are just absolutely lovely people. And I got a call about two months ago two months ago, uh, asking from, from this child who was just a, 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 an infant when he came to this country, and he asked me if I would perform his wedding. Now, that to me is, that sums it all up for me, that I, I don't know how to describe it. I don't know how to quantify it. But to me, that is that is what it is all about. Right. And to be able to come back, I mean, you know, metaphorical feast, actual feast of a wedding uh you know this is this is um this is a realized eschatology shall we say this is this is this is what for me what it all comes down to
0: well you know there you know i think you both have have spoken of it in a way in which there is there is something realized and there is something not yet about 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 whatever it is we think healing and wholeness is whatever we think so you know however people might be envisioning salvation um i, I really appreciate that story steve that is that is um I'm, i'll be thinking about that for a while that's beautiful
2: um, i think sometimes that's all we get You know, I I think I and I've I've marched in marches uh, in in uh, in D.C. I've I've uh, I was I was in Charlottesville when everything bad went down and and stood face to face with the Nazis. And, you know, I've gotten to do some amazing things. But really, for me, it was somehow it was that phone call uh, and and request to do that wedding that just put it all together for me in so many ways.
0: Cause that family, you know, they, they not only needed you all, they not, not needed to know you all, but you know, they needed some, some bathroom towels, right. You know, they, they needed some plates and a table to sit at. And that's very embodied.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So, it, yeah. It, and, and I, I just, I think that, uh, I think sometimes we look for the really grand uh, and I, and I, and I do hope, I don't, I don't really, I'm not sure I see it coming, but I do hope that someday we'll all be like that. Um, but I got a glimpse of it. I have received a, 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 a vision into it. And, um, and I, that may be the best I ever get. Um, but that really, in, in so many ways, will be enough.
0: so this this notion of salvation or healing or wholeness or this vision is really powerful what are some ways and i think we've touched on some of this but what are some ways that the understanding of salvation in your tradition becomes problematic and how do people in that tradition attempt to deal with that and let let, let me start first on this one like you know i think uh i i think a lot of times this notion of salvation is, is 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 again problematic in terms of it being only about individuals and primarily about life after death but i think it's problematic in another way in that it really becomes part of an exclusive in-group you know right to be saved to have some sort of identity is to be part of an exclusive in-group that 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 then has a sense of of higher status than than other groups in the world and i think that when i hear a lot of people talk about being saved I, i'm really talking about I, i'm really hearing them talking about that that membership, a recognized membership in an exclusive in-group, and then and then what what that does to the rest of the narrative of Jesus, is is also really highly problematic. And and uh, and uh, and I, I really it wounds me, it pains me to see that uh, that taking place, because then if it's all about me, then it doesn't. My neighbor doesn't really matter that much. If I'm part of an exclusive in-group and they're not, like I either need to I get them to be like me. Um, or I can discount them because they, they really have made, as I've heard people say before, well, they've made their eternal decisions so it doesn't matter what happens to them. I mean, that's how brutal it can be sometimes. And I think in a, in a, in a tradition like the Abrahamic tradition, which is trying to help us recognize the humanity of, of, of all of all human beings and our unity, it just, it's so disappointing when I hear people still talking that way. Um, and that's, that's, that's a lot of my grief. When it comes to uh, the the common understanding of Christian tradition, right there, Alana, how about you?
1: So, I mean, <laughs> because we're sort of a particularistic faith, and some of the other things that I've talked about earlier, frequently, you know, and we're not focused on salvation in the same sense. That's no. usually it's other people's ideas of salvation that are problematic for Jews. Um, but I, I will say and you'll forgive me for like dragging a brand new elephant into the room, um, that um, in terms of salvation, because we are, so the idea about redemption and that it's a pragmatic redemption and it's a national redemption and that it takes place in Israel, right? In a real place, in a real land with real people, um, you know, national, it's a national liberation struggle in that sense. And it gets pretty weird in this post-colonial era, right? You know, how do we have a land where there's secular self-rule for everyone, where there's more than one indigenous people living in that place, right? And and note that it's not exactly a religious problem. Um, You know, our religion already states, you know, as I said before, there will be one set of just laws for everyone, Jew and non-Jew. You know, it's not precisely a problem of salvation, Um, You know we're supposed to have just laws for everyone we're supposed to treat everyone equally we don't have a requirement for anybody to be Jewish who isn't Jewish like that's not our issue, but at the other at the same time right we have this very like. Clearly stated obligation to live in a certain place, and you know, and be, and that we're indigenous to that place. And there's other people there, and that has, as everybody in the world pretty much knows, <laughs> that right now is a huge problem that um, that we need to solve. And you know, I think that it's going to be have to, it's going to be solved politically, not religiously. This is not essentially a religious problem except insofar as it does mean that we have to recognize that um, our religious obligations also have to come to include other people who are living in that place. And, you know, it may be that in a certain sense that our, um, you know, this history where we had no self-rule and we were oppressed for so long has, you know, sort of, we have this sort of post-traumatic stress in a certain sense that has you know, rendered us um, fearful of doing that, even though it 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 is or it's a necessary thing. And you know, it may that may be God's test for us that you know we have to figure out how to solve that problem, and we're going to have to do it pretty fast, because there are real people who are really suffering. You know, uh, both who are Jewish and who are Christian and who are Muslim, and all of these people are suffering because we have this problem we have to solve. Um, and again, it's not precisely a religious problem, except in so far as you know we be, we have taken this very literal idea and we've actually realized it, um, and now we have to figure out how to realize it in a way that allows God into it as well. If that wasn't too gigantic an elephant for everybody, I apologize.
0: <laughs> well, I, I I just want to respond just just quickly by saying like you know, a lot of the 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 conversation about salvation from christians about like getting forgiveness for our sins well i mean isn't a lot of that about us wanting to manage our own guilt at at what happened to indigenous people in this country like what what white white people white colonizers did to 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 indigenous people and to um to uh, people enslaved uh from africa and their offspring i mean there, there's a lot of ways in which that our whole notion of salvation and forgiveness is wrapped around uh, some feelings about that, but not really wanting to change it very much. You know, So uh, with, with, with that, with those two hot potatoes on the table, uh, Steve, I'll turn it over
2: to you. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. Cause I'm so caught up in this conversation. That's so great. Um, I, I really think for me, I, I, I religion seems to have had the the benefit of breaking down tribal barriers so where there was uh the I think the vision of 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 all of the world's religions as much as I know about all of the world's religions I think the vision has been to to deal with this problem of intertribal violence us against them and and to break that down so that we could see each other as as human beings and build a larger community but it is ultimately failed or stopped at the point where our creeds our beliefs uh, and 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 the, and how those play into ethnicities and language and so on have have just built bigger tribes and bigger bigger uh, boundaries and I think that's a that's ultimately uh, a, a shortcoming um, and 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 it gets kind of uh, it, it gets really problematic when um I mean, again, the caricature is the church in in the hills that uh, that that believes they're the only people that are going to heaven. It's not just their denomination; it's that church, that one little church, yeah. is the only people in the world that are saved. I, I I I I do a podcast as well, and I and I've recently connected with uh, with another guy named Stephen D. Martin. Um, and, and, uh, and I recorded a, we've both been on each other's podcast, but he's a, he's an interesting guy cause he's, he's young, but he's, he grew up in the church of Christ and he grew up believing that it was only his people that would be, you know, the final, you know, the people who were, who, who were saved at the end of, of days. And, uh, and he's really come to question that. And, um, uh, and I think that's really the, the place where it bothers me. And I, and I, and I do grieve a lot in, uh, in the way that religious faith can turn into self-righteousness and into, you know, just the, the, the simple notion that it, that I'm, I'm, I'm loved by God uh, because I carry the card of being a member of first such and such church. You know, it's, 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 it's that kind of small-mindedness that I think is really a danger in, in religion.
1: Can I just jump in really quick? So I um, two things just really quickly is, um, I just, that feels like such an impoverished vision in some ways. Like, let's say that was even true. Like, only my people go on to the world to come or whatever. That sounds boring as heck. Like, what would I have to talk about? <laughs> you know, um, and I just, you know, I find that sort of sad. And I just the second thing was I wanted to throw in, I don't I don't know if you remember this, Steve, but years and years and years ago when we first met and we went um with Mr. Rada on the Clergy Beyond Borders tour around with, you know, um Father, uh, I can't remember his name. Anyway, there was a bunch of people, you know, an imam, and a, a Catholic, a Catholic monk, um, and we were talking about the idea of interfaith relationships and tolerance. And, you know, um, I, I asked you, you were the evangelical person who was along on the trip. And I sort of asked you what that meant to you. And I've, I've never forgotten this. And I talk about, I, this is my example. So I just want you to know that, like, I quote you on this all the time, which is that what you said is that, um, you know, you have a certain belief about how the world is and how the, you know, what God, you know, what God is and what God requires of us, but that, in order to engage with people who believe differently you just have to have a certain amount of humility that you could be wrong and that you know that that's really sort of the key to it it's not it's not to give up your own beliefs and it's not to say i'm right and you're wrong or you're right and i'm wrong and or i'm going to i'm going to indulge you in your wrongness or anything like that it's really to say you know there's a lot about the universe that i just really don't know and i could be wrong and that that's that little crack in the doorway, you know, the door being open just that much is enough for us to really come to know each other and love each other well. So I, yeah, I, just I think want you I, to know that I
2: still quote you on that. Um, no, it's good to know. It's like, I've gotten, I've, I've, uh, I've heard of, heard of and spoken of two wins tonight. So, um, <laughs> but I, no, I, I remember that. And I remember, uh, at the time I, I, I kind of framed it and saying that I'm, you know, I, in this, in this festival of, of plurality here and, in conversation and, uh, I'm the I'm the one who holds on to a an exclusivist belief. I really do believe that Jesus is the way, truth and the life yada yada yada. But again, you know, that and I think I think actually that was what that was maybe 10 years ago and things have changed a little bit and I'm not I'm not the exclusivist I once was. But even then, if I was, it would it would still be just foolish to me to believe that, uh, that there wasn't um, that, yeah, it would be foolish to not to admit that I could be wrong. I could be completely wrong about all of it. And you have to, I think you have to enter into, to any conversation around faith with that kind of humility that you really could be completely off base. And the other person you're speaking to could hold the, hold the keys to the secrets of, of life, you know?
0: Right. Yeah, I
1: think And you know, I think p- in a certain sense, like that's, that's a piece of salvation in itself, is just to have you know humility is a kind of salvation.
0: Wow, absolutely. Right. So, you know, so so the the prohibition against idolatry, which is very complicated itself, right? Um, what what did uh, you know Paul Tillich said that we worship the God beyond or we 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 worship the God beyond our idea of God. Um, you know, and uh I, I noticed in 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 engaging with so many congregations, you know, when I Encourage them to, you know, remember to um, love God with all their heart, soul, strength, and mind. Their neighbors themselves. Um, well, the first one they would often assume that it was, that it was the God that they possessed, the God that they somehow owned or had exclusive rights on. And so, as I've said before, I, what I had to do is start to change the language a little bit to meet this moment, which was to love the God, be you know, to love God more than our tribe or our tradition. And that was a way to sort of get get that in there. And one metaphor I use is is uh, well if my mother was sitting in the room and someone asked me to define her, well I'd probably say no because my mother is more than my experience of her. and and I and so it would be incredibly disrespectful of me. But I know my mother <laughs> she raised me and and so can't we have that same sense of humility and and this this notion that like one of my favorite theologians says Douglas John Hall he says god may permit theology and that's kind of where he stops god may permit theology mm. that that doesn't mean that god agrees with it <laughs>
2: And there's that uh, the 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 vision that Carl Bart had at the end of his life, where he's uh, got all of his books and his thousands and thousands of pages, and he's pulling them behind him in a in a with a, a cart, and uh, the angels are all uh, circling him and, and pointing and laughing at the absurdity of it. <laughs> it's, I think that's 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 a real thing.
0: Or or Thomas Aquinas uh, at the at the very end. Well, this is all straw, right? Yeah. Or Luther, with uh, you know, I'm just a big bag of worm meat. You know, don't don't be looking at me. Don't be looking at my words. Right? Look at the divine. You know, yeah. I think you know, Alana. I just I, I think that you know, back to, to something earlier, and then and then we'll we'll get toward the end here. Is um, I, I think we do sometimes shape our notion of healing and salvation and and um, the sort of vision. In, in a way that does protect our current situation. And I, I think that that always is a is a problem within, within, uh, within any religion is we, we sort of hedge we sort of hedge it a little bit to sort of bless uh, the moment. So is there the moment that we're in? So is there is there anything that evokes holy envy? Uh, in each other as we're in this kind of conversation or as you've engaged with other people in the Jewish or Christian tradition? Um, who'd like to go first?
2: Well, I'll just say that I, I, I you know, I, I learned something from Alana every single time I sit down. I mean, we sit and talk about just, you know, the most, we never talk about inane things, but, you know, I learned something all the time. Alana is an incredibly smart, wise, and learned person, but she also just views things that I care about a lot through a different lens and through a different, slightly different story, big different story. Um, And I just, I get something from that all the time. Mm -hmm.
1: Thank you. I, uh, I, I have to say like, you know, I also like this thing that Steve said to me so long ago that I still quote all the time, you know, is also, I, I, I say inane things all the time, so I'm going to have to disagree with you about that, but um, <laughs> but I will say, like, I, I do have, you know, there is a beauty to the Christian um, narrative, which I, I think there's something extremely personal about it that, you know, just for me, it's metaphoric, obviously not, not literal, but, you know, I do, I can really see the beauty and the, the compellingness of the idea of a a divine person that sacrifices himself for the benefit of humanity. And it is a beautiful, beautiful story. Um, You know, and so it's um, one of My favorite singers is Leonard Cohen, you know, may his memory be a blessing. And he, you know, he he was raised as a a Jew in Canada, conservative Jew. And, um, but his music, you know, he went through these periods, he was very much a seeker, and his music and his lyrics, his poetry, very much takes, you know, he just took stuff from everybody. Um, Which, you know, from a Jewish perspective is awkward, but from a a human perspective, you know, it's so incredibly rich to, you know, have have the ability to speak in these different languages um, and that they're compelling in different ways. And I, I also, like, I have to say, like, I agree with you, Stephen, that we, you know, just the opportunity to have ongoing relationships and conversations with people who view the world very differently than I do, who have, like, if you want to sort of speak philosophically, you know, to have these Kantian filters about the world, right? Like, we're all looking through these different windows, and, you know, one of them is blue, and one of them is green, or what have you, and seeing different things in the world. And I think that's, you know, that's one of the things I feel I'm incredibly privileged to do some of the interfaith work that I do for one of the reasons that um, the work with like the Poor People's Campaign has been so incredibly compelling for me is the ability to do it with other clergy people of all kinds of faiths. Um, you know, I, I feel my life has just been enormously enriched by working with um, people from the AME church and, you know, black churches and with indigenous people. And with Muslims, you know, um, so I, I, I will probably misquote this. So I hope all my Muslim friends will forgive me. But that they have a surah which basically says that that um, Allah put us, God put us in this world and made us different in order to learn from each other. And I think that that's beautiful.
0: Yeah, I think the thing for me that that just keeps you know calling to me in these conversations, Alana, with you and. And Steve, also with you, is, is that, um, is that you know, I, I, I want us to keep going deeper as Christians. Uh, I want to keep going deeper into, into uh, what Jesus was about, right? I, I don't, I'm not, I don't, and I think Christians lost at the end of the first century most of their understanding, cultural understanding of Jesus as a Jewish person in the early part of the first century, in Palestine. And having lost that a lot of things went went pretty kittywampus. And it's not unfaithful to set some of those things aside that went wampus, If if you know, a- as we understand that they're getting us kind of closer to a faithful understanding of Jesus. And part of that it seems to me is being in conversation with with our with with our Jewish neighbors and with the Jewish tradition to help us understand Jesus better um so that so that we can you know we can be more faithful to, to you know to what he was about in the world and uh and so i think that's going to be a journey that that we're that christians are going to be on for a very long time uh,
2: well I, I if i could if i could modify that just a little yeah, bit please. i i i feel like um i feel like there's a lot of christian sentimentality toward jews True. um and um and judaism and and that we uh we We sometimes claim that, oh well, you know it's that we're our roots are the same, we just went in different directions, et cetera. well, we did go in different directions yeah. and and to be honest, Christians did horrible things to Jews uh for centuries, and uh reprehensible things and and um i I am cautious about um I'm cautious about any kind of um uh idea or analysis that met, that might uh make me think that by by getting to know my Jude- Jewish neighbors uh mm-hmm. or or my or getting to know Judaism more that I'll learn something more about Jesus. What I think I will learn more about is uh that we all we have different narratives. We have different lenses. I like to think about, you know, glasses and and we have sure. lenses that we and, and our narratives are our lenses and we're all trying to get to the same. It's, it's not so much many, you know, same many roads up the same mountain, but we're all trying to get to the same place and we're just viewing it through different narratives and different histories. Sure. And, um, and I, um, I really, um, I wanted to, I I've learned a lot lately about successionism and about how we can, um, it looks like we lost Alana, um, um, but uh, I've learned a lot about successionism and and the idea that uh, th- that we we Christians, even calling it the new te- you know the old and Absolutely. New Testaments, you know uh, is is highly problematic. but i Absolutely. I really do think um, I think that Jesus criticized religion. He seemed to have the most problems with not um uh, you know, unbelievers. He, he had problems with believers. He had problems with, uh, with, with religious professionals like you and me. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and it's where we can, uh, where we can kind of dig mm-hmm. deep into, to how we all, especially we, those of us who are religious professionals, how we can all get it wrong. So yes. wrong. Um, that we have to that that's where we can—I don't know. It's, again, I—I I, I don't think that was terribly articulate, but—but uh, I—I—I uh, I do. I value Judaism and and Islam not because uh, what I can learn about Jesus, but because of what I can uh, what I can learn from them directly. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it absolutely does, and if if I can, and what I what I was kind of trying to refer to, I think is, I think that there has been some good social science work, uh, and 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 bi- biblical work to help us understand first century culture better. And I and I think it's incumbent on us to to really do that work and try to help ourselves understand the, as much as we can, sort of to be in the ballpark somewhere around what some of the texts in the Christian scriptures, you know, might have meant in a first century Palestinian context. And, uh, and I I think I overstated it just a bit uh, when I was trying to trying to make that statement. Uh, Because even within Christianity, there's like, what, 40,000 denominations right now in the United States, even talking about Christianity in one fell swoop is like way too, way too much anyway. And in the first century, there were many views within Judaism as well. Um, so I, I, I accept the correction.
2: Yeah, I, it, it, and there's no no harm no foul. I just think that uh, I think that the true gift is being able to really just listen to each other and and, uh, and 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 hear what the other has to say about the journey that we are also on. If Indeed. I may be so eloquent. eloquent.
0: <laughs> Alana, anything else you want to say? I know you popped off there for a minute. Thanks to Zoom. But anything else you want to say to kind of close this up?
1: Yeah, I, I apologize. I sort of missed that little piece while Zoom kicked me out. Um, apparently I was meant to miss that, but the piece that I got at the beginning of the end, I, you know, I, I, I do think that, you know, there's sort of two things going on and I think it's fine for Christians to want to understand, you know, Jesus in context, as long as, you know, as long as we're also recognizing that like Jews still exist and that our tradition has continued to, you know, develop just like Christian traditions have. And as long as we are able to view each other as real, genuine people in a real, genuine context of our own faith, I think that that's totally fine. And, you know, we can learn a lot from each other in both of those contexts, right? Both about sort of like our ancient roots, wherever they diverge, but also, you know, where they, where we all ended up um, and whether that means, you know, sort of you know different kinds of jews today who actually you know we have different movements too or you know different kinds of christians and you know the difference between like um theology in a catholic context or theology in a protestant context or you know um that kind of thing that we all did end up taking these in different directions and hopefully we can all learn from all of those things you know i I do think that you know there's a, a certain richness that we can get from that.
0: Indeed, indeed, thank you. Well, Steve and, and Alana, I wanna thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, as we as we leave here, we wanna let everyone know that the Path to Understanding podcasts are available at pasttounderstanding.org, major podcasting services, and also on our YouTube channel. Uh, we all wanna encourage everyone to be well, be calm, and be
2: good to your neighbors. And thank you so much for listening or watching.